Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. We had some relatives when I was growing up uh, that were wonderful people. We always enjoyed seeing them, but they came unannounced uh, from out of state. And so uh, whenever they would come, uh, my mom would scramble and so forth to get ready, but uh, we always enjoyed hearing uh, from them and seeing them. Uh, Jesus came in his own way. Uh, he came uh in a way you wouldn't really expect a king to come. Uh, he was born in a manger uh, and uh, in a stall with uh, different uh, cattle and, and so forth. Uh, it was a place that stank and it was definitely unexpected for the Messiah, the, the king of the ages, to come and to be born in such a way. But Jesus came in his own way. Um, we need to understand how Jesus comes because it will help us uh, with his salvation, but also with our hope. Uh, because as we look at what Jesus did with his first coming, we see some things that look forward to his second coming. He's going to come in a very similar way in his second coming. And so, um, of course, this scripture is a scripture about Jesus' birth. And as we talked about it this morning, uh, Joseph is given a message from an angel. Don't, don't worry about marrying uh, Mary because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Joseph goes ahead. He marries Mary. And um, he names Jesus as he's been instructed to name him Jesus. Uh, Jesus, and, and the name actually means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. That's a um, scripture uh, from the Old Testament that talks about Joshua. Uh, Joshua is the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus, and uh, both mean Yahweh saves. So Jesus, as Joshua uh, provided deliverance uh, in the sense of uh, leading people in the conquest into the land of promise, so Jesus comes to lead us into the land of promise spiritually. But he's also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so um, as we look at this story, I'm going to read this story, and then we're going to look at some of the characteristics of how Jesus came uh, in his first coming. That's the title of my message, How Jesus Comes. In verse 18, it says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, uh, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. 
He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So how Jesus comes, how does he come? Well, first of all, I want you to see he comes supernaturally. Uh, it says in verse 18, it was discovered before they came together. In other words, they had not consummated their marriage. It says she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So supernaturally, um, she was pregnant. Uh, Jesus comes supernaturally. Uh, he came supernaturally in his birth, but he comes supernaturally in our lives. And uh, many, many times uh, in my prayer time with the Lord, there have been times where I have been struggling with one thing or another, and just the right scripture uh, comes and, and it ministers to my need. Or perhaps the Holy Spirit touches my heart to encourage me, and he comes and supernaturally uh, I, I, was, I was telling my family that, uh, yesterday, uh, I'd gotten up and there were three things kind of on my mind that I was concerned about and I'd been praying uh, uh, about those things uh, before I went to the scripture and I went to the scriptures that God had led me to uh, for my quiet time and all three issues were addressed. I can't help but see the supernatural in that. Uh, Jesus is still working uh, in our lives today. He still answers prayer. He still heals. Uh, he still saves sinners. And I think that's the greatest miracle of all, that God can take a sinner headed in the opposite direction, change them, make them a new creation in Christ, and lead them in the right way. And so Jesus, he comes supernaturally, and he will come supernaturally. Uh, when Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection, the Bible said he was caught up into heaven in the clouds. And the scripture says he's going to come the same way. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been able to ascend into heaven at will or to come from heaven here. Uh, I'd kind of like uh, to be able to ascend to heaven. I don't know about coming from there to here. But uh, uh, Jesus does, it, does this. Why? Because he is God the Son. He can supernaturally come, and that's the way he will come uh, when he comes in his second coming for the battle of Armageddon. Um, so, how does Jesus come? He comes supernaturally. Secondly, he comes unexpectedly. It says uh, in verse 19, So Joseph, being a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. So it was unexpected to Joseph. He knew they hadn't consummated the marriage. And Mary is pregnant, so it's unexpected. Um, Jesus comes unexpectedly sometimes in our lives. Um, have you ever had one of those divine appointments? Uh, just kind of an unexpected thing. It, um, I, I think of um, the time I prayed to be able to lead somebody to Christ, and God sent me somebody to my office who walked through the door, and I'm expecting to hear, uh, how can you help me financially? Because that's usually the, the question I, that, that people ask when they come in my office during the week. Uh, Instead, I hear, I want somebody to tell me how to be saved. That was a divine appointment. It was uh, an answer to prayer. It was kind of unexpected in my life. Uh, not that I guess you should expect um, for God to answer when you pray, but I was still surprised. Um, oftentimes, God comes unexpectedly. Have you ever had God do something just good for you, uh, something you didn't expect? Uh, I, I remember a time in my life where I'd kind of been away from the Lord and bitter at God, and, 
and God led me to my first church, and, and that first night, there were two young men who were saved, and, and I remember I was driving home um, after the, uh, the service was over, and uh, I, just, I just began to, to weep because I thought, you know, here, Lord, I have been bitter at you, I've been away from you, and just have recently, just recently repented of that, and yet you're using me in this way. You're so good. And, you know, I found that God, God is good, uh, so good. Uh, and over and over again, I'm just amazed at His goodness. Um, but often that goodness comes unexpectedly. Well, the best thing is going to come unexpectedly in the future. And that is the rapture of God's church. Um, Jesus uh, spoke of an unexpected coming. Where uh, two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other will be left. Two will be in the house, one will be taken and another left. Um, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it speaks of, it says, uh, we'll be caught up together with them. The dead in Christ rise first. We are alive and remain caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. It comes unexpectedly. Two sets of prophecies are contained in the New Testament uh, about Jesus' coming. One set of prophecies speaks of the signs of his coming. This speaks of the second coming of Christ. But the rapture of the church is the unexpected coming of Christ. And both sets of prophecies are there. About the, you remember the virgins that were supposed to be waiting for the bridegroom? And uh, some were wise and they brought the extra oil. And some were unwise. And, and Jesus says, so be ready because the Son of Man comes at an hour you do not know. Uh, so there will be an unexpected coming when Jesus raptures his church. Wouldn't it be great if he just interrupted my preaching tonight and took us straight to heaven? I'd, Lord, I'd be willing for that. Come on. Um, but the, the unexpected coming. So Jesus comes supernaturally. He comes unexpectedly. Thirdly, he comes assuredly. Verse 20. After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, God sent Joseph assurance of his path. Have you ever been confused or, or fearful in your life, and God brought just the assurance that you need? Um, Joseph is assured. Listen, we're assured, just as they were assured of that first coming of Christ by all the prophecies that were given, uh, so we are assured of his second coming because there are prophecies of his second coming as well. Uh, Jesus will come. He'll come on the clouds of glory. It was prophesied by Daniel. Uh, it's prophesied by the Lord Jesus himself and the Gospels. It's prophesied in the book of Revelation as the rider on the white horse comes uh, with a robe dipped in blood. His name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And by his brightness and the breath of his mouth, his enemies are slain. Uh, this is our Lord Jesus. He is going to come in power and glory. We're assured of that. But not only assured of his coming by the prophecies of Scripture, we're assured by his coming by the change that he's made in our lives, by the ministry of his Holy Spirit who gives us 
his hope. Um, the, the scripture speaks in Romans 8 of the spirit within us that cries, Abba, Father. And we look to God in hope and we expect his promises because the Holy Spirit quickens us and assures us of what he is about and what he is doing. And even as we read the pages of Scripture, we're comforted as he assures us of his promise. So Jesus came assuredly. He will come. He does come assuredly. By the way, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Emmanuel promise, God with us, has been partially fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. Um, and Jesus says at his great commission, behold, I am with you always. This is our assurance. So, Jesus comes supernaturally, unexpectedly, assuredly, purposefully. Uh, if you look at verse 21, he says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The Messiah, the second coming, will come. Jesus will come to rule and to reign. This is what many were expecting with his first coming. But he says he's coming with the purpose of saving his people from their sins. Jesus comes with a purpose. And that purpose is the same for every individual on this planet. The Bible says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And so Jesus came uh, to live the perfect life that that uh, we couldn't live and to die the death we deserve and to go to the cross uh, so that we could be saved from our sins. Not only the penalty, but also the power of our sins so that we could live in victory over sin, so that we could begin to experience, though in measure, experience the righteous life that God always intended for us to have. Because with that righteousness is the abundant life. Um, and, uh, of course... Ultimately, that will be fulfilled when Jesus comes again and that, that sin nature is taken away. But he comes purposefully. He comes into our lives purposely um, in unique ways because all of us are, are designed by God for his purpose. All of us are given spiritual gifts. And so he comes and he gifts us uh, through the Holy Spirit's gifting. And uh, he has a purpose for us to fulfill in this life. But he's also got a purpose for us in eternity. Um, this life is just the foretaste. The Bible says this life is a vapor. Eternity is forever. Some of our purposes will be to worship God. That, to me, is the most exciting thing about heaven. I know there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. I'm excited about all that. The most exciting thing to me is the thought of being able to worship God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ there in the new Jerusalem, in his very presence. What will that be like? Uh, anything here is just a, a foretaste. The best worship, the best times with God that we have is just a foretaste of, of the glory that we're going to experience with that. Um, but uh, that will be one of our purposes, but, but that won't be our only purpose. There's a new earth. God's created a new earth for us to enjoy. So we'll, we'll experience his purposes, enjoying that new creation. I believe we'll have work that we do. It won't be cursed work. Where uh, I guess uh, Murphy Murphy will be retired, Murphy's Law. 
and uh, we'll, we'll get great enjoyment and satisfaction in our, in our work that we do. Uh, but, but I think we'll have things to do. I think we'll have a purpose to fulfill uh, in this new creation. Um, and, and, and many things that we can't even fathom. But God uh, comes with a purpose. Jesus comes with a purpose in our lives. Um, and so he comes purposefully. And finally, I want you to see he comes relationally. The virgin will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's verse 23. God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. Remember what happened in the garden? Adam and Eve are separated from God. They're driven from the garden. The angel is placed there with a sword to prevent them from re-entering the garden. The garden was where they had fellowship with God. He would come down in the cool of the day and they would walk together and fellowship with God in the garden. All that was broken uh, when they sinned. Jesus came to restore fellowship with God. Um, Israel had a, a taste of that fellowship in the Old Testament, again through Christ, but uh, there was still the veils of separation. If you weren't an Israelite, you could not enter the tabernacle there. Um, if, if you weren't a priest, you couldn't enter the holy place. If you weren't the high priest, you couldn't uh, enter the Holy of Holies. And if you were the high priest, you could only enter once a year into the Holy of Holies. So there was a separation between God and man. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom to show that God did it. Um, the access to God was made possible through the death of Christ as he took the wrath of God for our sin. And as he, he brought... God's forgiveness and access into his very presence so that Hebrews says we can come into his presence boldly. Um, he came relationally, God, with us. For the first time in history, people were able to see what God would do in the circumstances of life. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago they had the... Uh, uh, what would Jesus do, bracelets and, and so forth that people would wear. And I had a, a philosophy professor who didn't like those bracelets, which I won't get into the reasons why. But anyway, he had a little boy, and his wife uh, asked him one day, what would Jesus do? And he said, well, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, I mean, that's kind of what, what people before Jesus came. I mean, we had not seen what God would do in the different situations of life. Yes, we had the law. Yes, we had the, the Old Testament scriptures. But we had never seen God interacting among human beings. But Jesus changed all that. He came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, so that for the first time in history, we could see what God would do in the different situations of life. And, of course, after the cross, uh, the Scripture says that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us. So now, not only do we, we have the benefit of seeing him in action through the pages of the Gospels, but we also have the Holy Spirit 
entering into us as God's temple. Paul says, no, you're not that you're the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. You know how radical that is? I want to tell you something. A holy God would not let somebody like Roger Pugh into his presence. But because of Jesus, not only am I allowed into his presence, he comes into my very heart and soul and abides and dwells. Jesus came relationally. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of what is yet to come. Now, think about that for a second. That will get you on shouting ground. The best that we experience in this life of God, the, mo- the greatest joys, the greatest peace, the fellowship that we have with God when we are overwhelmed by His goodness and His presence and tears begin to flow, it's just a taste. Sin will be removed, and there'll be no hindrance whatsoever. I'm ready. Um, Jesus comes relationally, and I love that scripture in Revelation. It talks about the new Jerusalem descending as a bride from heaven, and and it says, and, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And I love what he says, too. He says, I will be their God. They will be my people. Relationship. See, that's God's heart. And so Jesus comes relationally. Uh, So... uh, In his first coming, he comes in these ways, but he's also going to come in these ways in even a greater way in the second coming. Uh, For those of us who know Christ, we're going to get to experience the fullness of these blessings. So how does Jesus come? He comes supernaturally, unexpectedly, assuredly, purposefully, and relationally. Um, And so um, if, if you don't know Christ, you can have that relationship tonight through repentance and faith in Jesus. If you know him, thank him for what he has done uh, in his first coming and for what he is yet to do in his second coming and surrender afresh to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the, the Christmas message and, and Lord, uh, for the hope that it brings because our Savior is not just a baby who was in a manger 2,000 years ago, but he is a living, risen, exalted Savior who is coming again. Thank you for our hope. Thank you for the joy we have in Jesus Christ. And thank you for what he's yet to come.